Orchard Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. God knows how to repay you. I started giving on that level so that God would owe me. Whatever you do right now, don't you stop tithing. Harvest responds only to seed, not to prayer. I have the biggest house of any preacher in America. You know why? Faith insists on possessing possessions. This is not about material wealth. This is about God in his providence orchestrating all of history in order to bring about that which we need more than anything else, and that is to be rescued from God. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. When pain feels Good. This is Wretched Radio. Statistics over a one-year period, 27% of young adolescents reported thoughts of self-harm. Let's just call it one quarter. One in four of our 12 to 16-year-olds have thought, yeah, I want to hurt myself. 15% reported at least one act of self-harm. The issue that is increasingly prevalent among young people is also making its way up to older people as we see a culture not quite understanding how to cope with traumatic events, difficulties, pain experiences. They are doing something that, well, honestly, we've seen in the Bible. If you remember the prophets of Baal, they self-injured. They were upset. They were looking foolish. They decided to shed blood for the atoning of their failures. And many people, an increasing number of people, are doing the same thing. Now, it is not intended to take their life, but they are indeed looking for relief. They are feeling pain. They do not believe they have options. And it makes sense to cause pain to distract yourself from The Pain, Ed Welch, writing a book, Self-Injury, gives us, I think, a little bit of insight into what's going on in the mind of somebody who is injuring themselves. Now, if that's one in four, if you've got four kids, then you might have a struggle inside of your own home. If not, this is true in our church. This should help us be a little bit more tender, shouldn't it, when we see the teenagers? And we realize, well, if I'm looking at a group of kids at my church, wherever, and there's more than four of them, uh, somebody in there is really hurting. And we need to be equipped to help them. It starts with some understanding from Ed Welch. The roots of the self-abuse cycle go deep. But it tends to be activated, not caused necessarily, but activated by stress, a difficult circumstance, and your emotional response, or an intolerable emotional experience that no longer needs cues to trigger it. So trauma is likely involved for people who are self-injuring. Seeing a lot of that, aren't we? It's not just soldiers. There's a lot of people who have been traumatized. Self-injury gradually becomes the preferred response. Why? Because it actually works. Now, this is counterintuitive, most likely, to the way you think. Wait a second. I inflict pain, and it helps me not feel pain? Yep. That's right. If you'd like to see a case of that, by the way, check out Transformed, our new series. It is precisely what the young lady said. Cheryl was hurting, and she said, I just, when I was, I think, sixth grade, just to get the pain out, she would harm herself. Should 
it should cause us to be perhaps a little bit more tender on a subject that we do not quite understand. It provides an immediate sense of regain control and emotional relief. It offers a satisfying way to give voice to the silent screams within. In short, it brings peace. It's not a lasting peace, but it's a little bit of calm and it's better than nothing. But when the experience of peace fades, the same circumstances, issues, traumatic events, memories, whatever it is, are waiting to disrupt your inner world again and the cycle continues. And we need to help people put an end to that cycle and offer them a better way. Don't know if you've ever studied biblical counseling. I think every Christian should. I think every Christian should should try to understand how can we help one another. And I think it, it it's a helpful tool to consider the eight eyes of biblical counseling, not like the things in your head that help you visualize things, the eight-letter eyes. And one of those is interpreting, but the other is investigation. But one of the crucial eyes that must take place up front is inspiration. People need hope. They need to understand there is a way out of this. God offers strength. Remember that this is precisely what Paul was talking about, that because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is power available to you. You don't have to cut to self-injure or harm yourself. There's a better way, and we need to let people know that. Ed Welch goes about the business of trying to describe, here's the path forward. Here's some possible reasons for it. If you hit someone, you're saying you don't like him. You hit somebody who's an enemy, somebody who makes you angry. Might the same reasons apply to self-injury? Because they're angry at themselves. I failed. I shouldn't have done that. I wish I had. So they're mad at themselves. They can feel as if they've done something that deserves punishment. They can feel like their bodies betrayed them. Now, there are people who continue to harm themselves because of very, very nasty things. A woman sexually assaulted started to believe my body is bad. She reasons if I had a male body, I wouldn't have been violated. Therefore, her female body is bad. Now, we know that the perpetrator of this behavior is the culprit, but you can see how she could arrive at that conclusion that would say, my body needs to be punished, or I want to inflict pain onto the body that has disappointed me. There's more reasons than that, but let's jump into the reasoning behind self-injury. I'm guilty. I must be punished. That is in the mind of the self-injurer. Some even understand that shed blood is somehow the necessary penalty for guilt, as is demonstrated by their satisfaction when their cutting produces blood. Number two, I am not perfect. It's similar to guilt, but it's a disappointment in self that leads to, ah, I need to punish myself. I didn't eat right. I didn't exercise enough. I didn't get a good grade on. You don't look the way that you want. The resulting feelings mimic guilt, and self-atoning blood seems like the only answer. More reasoning behind self-injury. 
They're right. I do deserve this. I'm angry is another. I can't feel this way any longer. Hurting myself is the only way to stop my feelings. No, there's not. That's that's not the solution. That's not the only way. I feel out of control. Others are in control. I wonder if that's where social media starts to really tighten the screws on people. I'm feeling out of control. I turn on my TikTok and everybody's in control. Everybody's got this figured out. And even if they don't, look at how many people pay attention to them. You can't help but make a connection between social media and the depression, anxiety, self-injury, and suicide that we are seeing increasing inside of the teen population. Words can't express my pain, but this does. Here's something else that's going on with the self-injurer. They're screaming help. Not all of them, but some of them are. Please notice. Please see the bruise. Please see the scar. Please help me. What self-abuse, however, is really saying from Ed Welch, even though the knowledge of God might be nudged to the margin of our lives, everything we do is related to him, including self-injury. Self-injury is at its root about God. And Ed Welch suggests you avoid him and you avoid your source for help. You don't, you, you don't have a hope outside of God. And how exactly, though, is self-injury up, up, up about God? Well, you're struggling, you're hurt, you're wounded, you're traumatized, and you're looking for a solution to your pain. Who is the only doctor who can offer you the correct cure, which is himself? God. When, when you try to find another method for comfort or consolation, it's a decision about God. Action steps. Do you want to change? Number two, allow other people in. Please let them in. I know they annoy you. Let them in to help you. Grow in honesty. Be truthful with them. Feed yourself with scripture. Find good books that communicate clearly about God's grace. Since your self-injury follows a pattern in which you can anticipate the situations, times, and places when you're most vulnerable, what alternative plans can you make when those situations arise? Write out the meaning and purpose of your self-injury. What are you satisfying with it? And when you blow it, don't give in to hopelessness. And if you're looking for a place to voice how you're feeling rather than hurting yourselves, run to the book of Psalms and you're going to find that there's a lot of people that have hurt before you and they express emotions and it might help you then to read those emotions that you can identify with and then talk to God about them because he's your source of comfort. He's your source of hope. He's your source of help. You've tried cutting and self-injury. Try God. This is Wretched Radio. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's 
alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, abortion is the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby, 80% of the time she chooses life for just $28, you could provide one of those ultrasounds. But I would ask you, how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide? The more ultrasounds, the more saved babies. Please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's, why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio has just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Master's Academy International. The biggest challenge for men attending TMAI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine, and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God. The Master's Academy International in Ukraine fighting a battle on two fronts. (laughs) You've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Master's Academy International? Adopt a seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Know your church fathers. Irenaeus was an apologist and disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John. He served as the Bishop of Lyon and wrote against heresies, a refutation of Gnosticism and Docetism, in which he demonstrated the coherence and necessity of the Incarnation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Guess. Go ahead and guess. This is Wretched Radio. Most likely, the subject of self-injury is a bit of a mystery to you, and you can't imagine why anybody would inflict pain to relieve their pain. Seemingly counterintuitive, but there are two to three million Americans who self-abuse, not to mention millions more who ponder it. This, to me, is like an alarm bell for the church. In fact, I'll tell you what kind of an alarm clock this should be. It should be like the alarm clock that Mrs. Friel brought into our marriage. She had this alarm clock that was indestructible, and it would go off in the morning 
you know how the you set your cell phone now and it starts out kind of quiet, gets a little loud, <laughs> tries to wake you up and get you on your way. A little bit louder. Like the house is on fire, you'd get up every morning just immediately in a panic or in a fury because of that alarm clock. This statistic should be just like that for the church. This many people are hurting. Do you know that you could go to a university campus and use this subject to engage students in a witness encounter? Hey, just read a statistic. Two to three million people cut. I just read 27% of people your age have thoughts of self-harm. Are you one of them? And they'll talk to you if you approach them as if you care. They will talk to you. No? Oh, I'm so glad to hear. Do you know anybody who does? What do you think they're trying to accomplish? How do you deal with trauma? How do you deal with painful experiences? These are all questions that should get you into the realm of the gospel. This is a wake-up call for the church. People are hurting. And if you bump into somebody who says, yes, I do, or I have, understanding what they are dealing with is a really helpful way to sympathize with people and show that you actually care. In, in a book titled Hope and Help for Self-Injurers and Cutters by Mark Shaw, which, by the way, we have both of these books, Self-Injury, the Mark Shaw book, I believe, they're at, they're at our website. We've added a ton of biblical counseling books to our website because they're so helpful, so practical, so biblical. Wretched.org explains why people find relief. They are hurting so badly that cutting is relief by comparison. The emotional pain is so intense that this actually provides a relief. Furthermore, it's actually chemical. There, there is a reason that some people get addicted to self-injury. On the surface of the skin, you've got particular nerve endings that produce a little something called endorphins. These little addictive fellows will get you to want to crave the behavior over and over again. Somebody looking for relief can get addicted to cutting. Yikes. No wonder why it's so popular. What can we offer the world by way of help? And if I could just do a shout out, oh, please. Uh, this is why having biblical counseling in your church, your folks need it. You've like, if you've got 100 people in your church, you probably have a number of people that self-injure. I know it's a church, even a good one. People are just hurting. And having biblical counseling available is good for the sheep, and you can promote it to the community. You go ahead in your church. We offer free counseling. Or do something brave like the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons do. Go door to door. Hey, just want to let you know our church, we've got a biblical counseling center. So if you or somebody in your family is struggling with an emotional issue, just wanted to let you know we're here. We're free. And we would love to help you. Here's a plate of cookies. Got to go. You can use it as an evangelistic outreach for people who are struggling with this issue because ah, 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 they are. Let's dive into Mark Shaw's book, Looking for Ways to Actually Help These People. He offers a number of steps. 
Compared to the secular world's labels, a much more hopeful message is found for believers in 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Christian cutters have not learned new replacement behaviors that please God because they perhaps don't realize they are a new creature. They are set aside now for holy work. They now have the power of God dwelling inside of them. And so one of the things that we can do to help somebody who's a professing Christian who is hurting themselves is to remind them, hey, you don't have to do this. There is power in God, and that power resides right inside of you. But they continue to turn to selves. By the grace of God, the power of the Spirit, cutters can learn to respond to their deep feelings of hurt, rejection, and anger in a manner that pleases God. In other words, give them hope. Here now are some practical steps that the self-injurer or cutter must take. Uh, No, I'm not impersonating my alarm clock. Uh, I was thinking of a Bible verse. (laughs) Go ahead. Ask me about something trivial. I got you covered. The Bible verse I was saying, it, it, was, it was kind of a parallel to the put off, put on principle in Ephesians chapter four. This is a really big deal in biblical counseling. You don't just stop, you also start. And, and it was, oh, I mean, you know, uh, uh, put off the deeds of the flesh. No, that's Ephesians four. And put on these behaviors, exchange this for that. And I was reading another verse that I can remember that was saying the same thing. We don't just tell people, stop it. No. We need to tell them to also start it. So if you're a self-injurer, one, here's a change that you need to make. You need to recognize that harming your body in this manner is a sin. Therefore, you need to stop it. Don't sin. Stop it. Now, don't worry. I know that it could be like, wait a second, you're, you're taking away my best friend. You're taking away my comforter. Well, in a sense, but there is a comforter available to you. And that's the point of biblical counseling, to lead you away from self-injury to the one who can indeed help you find peace. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? A Christian cutter is often unknowingly partaking in a private pagan ritual of idolatry. Stopping the sinful habit is included in the put-off principle in Ephesians 4.22. That's your first step. See it for what it is. Mark Shaw writes, because self-injury and cutting do feel good temporarily, it is difficult at first to stop doing something that works to produce better feelings. So the first step is more than just stopping. It's to acknowledge that what you're doing leads to bad consequences, like feeling more separated from God and loved ones. It's a sin, and you must begin to see self Harm as wrong because a loving God wants to protect you from all of the awful consequences of cutting and self-injurious behavior. You must learn to hate any type of self-abuse, self-injury, self-mutilation, and cutting because God does hate it. That's step number one. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Step number two, renew your mind. Quote from Ed Welch, self-injury is at its root about God. Avoid him and we miss true hope. You have to realize during a hardship, God is in it, 
not responding, in it. Doing good for you. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to become more Christ-like. And if you just hurt yourself to relieve yourself of pain, well, you're not going to receive that benefit. Cutting may feel good temporarily, but God has a long-term solution for your problem. But you must renew your mind to begin thinking more like God thinks on this issue. And you find that, that voice from God in the Bible. Cutters who feel ignored, wronged, abused, emotionally hurt, or angry must learn to have a forgiving attitude toward the offender. Now, I grant you this could be a long process. I understand that healing takes time. But if you're cutting yourself because you're just furious at somebody, you, 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 you need to learn to forgive and release it and let it go, knowing that God will deal with it either on the cross or eternity in hell. You've got to renew your mind. Third, put on replacement behaviors that glorify and please him. Find alternatives like ripping up old newspapers, take a walk, squeezing an ice cube really hard, drawing with a red marker on the body part they feel like cutting, stroking a pet, playing loud music and dancing, or finding another distraction or outlet for their feelings. Is that ideal? No, but it's a step and it's helpful. But where God ultimately wants you is running to him for your pain. Not loud music, not jumping up and down, squeezing an ice cube. Use those tools to get through it so you can develop patterns of holiness. But ultimately, for the cutter, this is a God issue. This is a spiritual issue. And you need to learn to find your comfort in the only one who can truly comfort sinners. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, as we've been seeing with other corporations like Amazon, Disney now is boasting about their employee benefits program, which helps cover the cost to murder their employees' children. And that's not all. For those employees who decided to have children but want to encourage them to permanently mutilate their bodies, well, Disney has that taken care of, too, because they're also subsidizing sex change operations and travel for employees to states that perform them. Anybody else find it strange that a company that caters to and makes a large portion of their income from children want to help murder and mutilate them? And staying on the Disney News train, there's also been quite the stir caused by their latest film, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse Madness. That's an ironic title. It's rated PG-13, and many say it should be rated R due to the intense sequences of violence, frightening images, and language. The call is for Disney to push for the rating to be changed to R so children aren't seeing a film they're not ready for. <laughs> Seriously? I mean, when has protecting children ever been a thing Disney concerned themselves with? A federal lawsuit has been filed by three Christian law students against the University of Idaho after the university made the decision to ban the students from having any contact with another student because the other student disagreed with their biblical view on marriage and sexuality. The three Christian students are being represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom, who says the university's contact ban violates the students' free speech and free exercise of religion. Is this a picture of where we may be headed as a nation? Fortunately, I think in a lot of places we're already there, but things like this, they're going to tend to increase. 
Ever since the leaked draft document detailing the possible Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, protests have popped up all over the country, and many of them have been violent, like the attack on the offices of the Oregon Right to Life over the weekend. No one was injured, but a fire did break out, which caused damage. Also, on Mother's Day, the headquarters of Wisconsin's Family Action was set on fire in an act of arson and vandalism. A message was also written in graffiti on the outside of the building that read, quote, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. And these attacks and others like them aren't surprising. Think about it. On one side, you have the people who are advocating for life, doing all they can to save lives while working within the confines of the law. On the other side, you have those who advocate for murdering innocent babies. And we see when their ability to murder is threatened, they get violent. They respond in hatred and with threats and with vandalism, which is a direct representation of hearts that are hardened. They're blind to the truth, so what we must do is pray for them and find opportunities to share the gospel because it's only the gospel that has the power to allow a person to see the truth of who they are and the truth of how despicable baby murder really is. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1545. The Council of Trent opens. Called by the Roman Catholic Church in response to the Reformation, it addressed abuses in the Catholic Church and further entrenched dogmas concerning the authority of the Pope, the need for works in salvation, and the saving nature of the Mass. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Action steps for you. This is Wretched Radio. Mark Shaw, he counsels many people on the issue of self-injury, people who harm themselves seeking relief from the pain that they're feeling inside of themselves. It works. It is a scientific aspect to it. It produces endorphins. It kind of gives you a rush, but it's also addictive, and it feels better than what they are doing. It's a distraction. It takes them away from what they're thinking about. They can't get it out of their mind, and it's weighing heavy. It's a black dog standing on their chest baring its teeth, growling at them. And Mark Shaw counsels those people so that ultimately they arrive at the destination where rather than seeking their comfort through the use of a razor blade, they run to the Lord. If you are a self-injurer or even if you are not, these helpful steps from Mark Shaw and Ed Welch, both of these booklets, they're available at our website, wretched.org, will help you. So maybe it's not cutting, but if you're dealing with a sin struggle, you're going to find plenty here to help you overcome it. Cry out to the Lord, honestly, in prayer, instead of cutting. Read your Bible. Memorize Bible verses that comfort you. This is... This is why we need to do, I was thinking of, I was thinking about this and I can't be angry at them because I could have done it myself. I should be doing it myself. What if at the age of eight, 10, 12, somewhere in that hood, where you could memorize more complex Bible verses? Uh, I'm not talking about the simple stuff that you can, you should have children memorize, but more complex Bible verses dealing with more human struggles and you just memorized a verse a week, one a week, for a year, you'd have 50 Bible verses planted in your heart. Tell me that wouldn't be transformative. 
Well, I, I, I was I was thinking about this all the all the way through school, studying the Bible but never memorizing the Bible. I, I like I said, I, I I can't get get upset with my profs because they didn't make me memorize Bible verses. That's my responsibility. But wow, how beneficial would it have been to graduate? with years of Bible verses smashed into our heads. And it's a well that you can then tap into when you are dealing with something to go, okay, all right, wait a second. I'm thinking this through wrongly. God's word is correcting me. For instance, you lack assurance. What Bible verse could you memorize that deals with the subject of assurance. Then when you start doubting, those feelings come over, you start repeating the phrases or replaying the scenes, you bring out your Bible verse. That's good no matter what your struggle is. Attend church, meet with a biblical counselor, sing biblically sound God-exalting songs instead of cutting, attend fellowship meetings, attend Bible studies, in other words, get out of the house and get amongst believers. Here are, according to Ed Welch, 14 action steps for you, whether you're a self-injurer or not. But this is written specifically for those people who inflict harm on themselves. Ask yourself a question. Do I want to change? It's really hard to change if you don't want it. And I think one of the reasons that most people don't want it is because they don't think it's attainable. I, I can't change. And what, whatever that change of direction is, it's not as good as the course that I'm currently on. Once again, inspiration. We need to instill hope into the individual who is caught in this sin. Number two, allow other people in. Three, grow in honesty. Four, feed yourself with scripture. Five, find good books that communicate clearly about God's grace. Six, Anticipate situations. Seven, search the Psalms to give voice to your heart. That's some wisdom right there. If you know what it is that causes you to want to hurt yourself, plan in advance. And then run to your Bible. Run to your Psalms to help you express what's going out. Write out the meaning and purpose of your self-injury. What are you trying to do with it? When you fail... Don't give in to hopelessness. This is a tough one because, especially if you're counseling, frankly, because you think, well, if we come up with a failure plan, with a sin plan when it happens, that's like saying you're not going to do it. No, it's not. It's being realistic. It's recognizing that sin is a battle, and it's there can be skirmishes that get lost before victory. And so we should have a sin plan so that the person who fails at whatever their objective is doesn't just throw in the towel. This, this might be true for you if you have a struggle at, with, for instance, rebellion at school. You're the naughty kid. So you decide, that's it. I'm done with that. I am going to become more Christ-like. But you slip up on Wednesday. Don't quit. Don't throw it in. Don't say, well, I'm just a hooligan. I just need to behave this way. Don't do it. You're somebody who struggles with alcohol consumption. Just keep struggling. And if you fall, which you might, don't quit. Oh, I just threw out four years of sobriety. No, you didn't. 
You just sinned. Repent and then get back on the sanctification path. Do not lose hope. That was number nine. Number 10, if you keep moving back into self-injury, notice how your behavior is more intentional than it seems. You aren't the victims of razor blades. You're in control of it. Number 11, now that you know God's mercy, you are free to consider the way you have sinned against other people. If, If you're hurting yourself, you're not the only one who is feeling pain. Your family is with you. And you might need to recognize that. And this kind of goes back to some of the earlier advice about being open and honest and transparent, letting people in, especially your family. If, if you're young, you maybe struggle with this, letting your parents in. I can promise you beyond the shadow of a doubt, nobody cares more. It isn't even, it isn't even in the ballpark. Your pals might affirm you. But your parents are going to be the ones that care for you. I'm t- You know what? It, to this day, my kids are grown. When I hear of, of something that they're dealing with that's difficult or hard, I don't think about it and then move on. I keep thinking about it. I don't stop thinking about it. How can we think this through? What would be a plan to deal with this subject? What could I do to help with this situation? What are they doing that might be destructive in this situation? Your friends won't do that. Just ask yourself a question. You heard of a struggle in a friend, and then you walked away. Did you think about it much? Probably not. Maybe you brought it up and said, hey, I just heard about Larry. Larry's really struggling with stuff. But your parents do think about it. Let them in. Let them help you. Now that you love others more, find ways to show it. That's a, by the way, that is a good alternative to hurting yourself. Do something for other people because that actually feels good. There's something about more blessed to give than to receive, if I'm not mistaken, that Jesus said that. Attend a church that worships Jesus Christ. Pattern your personal reflections after the Psalms. In other words, reorient yourself around God's word, God's people, and you'll have increasing victory. Do you struggle with this issue? Do you struggle with pornography? Are you doing the things that are demanded? Remember, sanctification, being holy, because we get to be. It's work. Synergistic. You have to put effort into it. So if you have found yourself feeling hopeless, whatever the sin pattern is, you don't think you can find a way out, let others help you in and God's word will. And if you are not a member of a local church, I'm telling you, it's it's the biggest deal. It's It is such a big deal. In fact, I just was reading an email from somebody who said that they're uh, it was about a good church. I think last week we were talking about when you've got a wife that is being difficult, what would a husband do? Does the husband force her to go to a worship service? And this fellow said, what I discovered is she didn't like the church service that we were attending. We found a Bible-based church. Now I can keep her from going to church. So that might be helpful information for you. But the point is, the local church and 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 it's and it's helped everything in their lives. Of course, it has. Your life needs 
it needs a spiritual anchor and it needs to be done on a daily, regular basis. But I'm telling you, church Sunday, utilize it. Reorient your life around it. Make it the framework, because if you don't build on that, I'm telling you, you're going to be likely to continue to fall and fall and fall and struggle and struggle and struggle. Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. Let people in. Find a Bible-based fellowship, and you will grow. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844 Bible. Transformed, our latest production is available now in the Wretched Store or by visiting transformed.org. This show is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people dealing with real issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. What you won't see is a secular therapy session or even a Christian counseling session which still uses secular psychology. No, you are going to witness the power of the Bible and work right before your eyes. Real people with real problems being offered real solutions. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University and Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed where you'll witness biblical counseling as it takes people from brokenness to wholeness. Visit transformed.org The situation in Ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road. Tomorrow clubs are still in Ukraine. There are still club leaders there. There are still Christians who are willing to help other Christians with the very basic necessities of life. Would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive the bare necessities. I know that Cindy Marty is extremely grateful for your support. There just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have. Believe me, the children and families in Ukraine are so grateful. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Tomorrow Club's still alive and well, but dealing with the dangers of Ukraine. If you think that you could support some believers there, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the apostle of our confession. 
An apostle is one who is sent. Jesus is the one sent from the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit to deliver the gospel in which all Christians confess their belief. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. His writing was always good, but now it's even gooder. This is Wretched Radio. Don't know if you visited chalice.org as of late, but you are seeing a man who is being transformed. A man who has been growing in godliness since the Lord regenerated him decades ago, recently experienced a tragedy of the first order. His son died. And while Tim's writing have, uh, writings have always been helpful and pastoral in tone, they are increasingly so. This is the Lord working through tragedy to grow and just consider how many people Tim is helping to do what the Bible says will happen when you find comfort from the Lord through your difficult circumstance, then you are equipped to comfort others. I have three articles in my hand. I don't, I don't know that he would have written these before he lost his son. Maybe he would have, maybe because he, he deals with a lot of difficult things in his church. Um, but these are just sensitive, thoughtful, pastoral, and something sometimes we conservatives tend to overlook a lot. It was called a tribute to those of simple faith. God makes some people to have a faith that is very simple and others to have a faith that is very complex. Some people come to faith and enter into a lifelong battle to believe some of the Bible's most basic promises about forgiveness and assurance and perseverance. They may spend their entire Christian life from new birth to death scouring scripture and reading good books and listening to sermons and lectures all to help them better understand such matters. Meanwhile, other people come to faith and never seem to have to wrestle with much at all. They take God at his word, feel little need to weed it out in the deep theological waters. Their attitude is God says it. It's true. I believe it. The end. Their personalities are such they don't suffer the deep doubts or even ask the big questions. That's okay. And I couldn't help but think, if you, like I, have a tendency to be concerned about error, which we should, I don't think we should be consumed by it, but we should consume enough of what's happening in the church to be able to protect our local church, which is the pillar and foundation of the, of the truth, we, 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 we tend to see those things, those of us with that happen to have a more critical eye, and I'm not saying that's a better thing, worse thing, it just is. And we might see people who don't and kind of wonder about them. What? Are you kidding me? Jesus calling. You're, you're, you're not troubled by this? No, I haven't read it. It's just whatever. <laughs> the purpose driven, you doesn't. They just don't seem to, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, it could be, but it's not necessarily a sign of immaturity. It's just a sign they don't trouble themselves with those things. Maybe they need to a little bit more. But my point is we shouldn't be looking at them like, huh, I wonder if they're really a Christian. Back to Tim. Other people come to faith, never seem to wrestle with these things. But here's the thing. People of complex faith are prone to see apathy in those of simple faith. And people of simple faith, conversely, 
are prone to see obsessiveness in those of complex faith. Both can grow weary and suspicious of the other. So there's a caution on both sides. Listen how pastoral Tim's treatment of this issue is. We all have to be watching it, whether it's weaker, stronger, brother. <laughs> Where did I read this? This was rich. That, that people who will use the weaker, stronger brother to flaunt their liberties, whether it's drinking, what you know, hard liquor, and they they hoist it up and you know, show you the snifter or decanter or whatever it is that they serve their hooch in, and then they would say, "Well, if you uh, can't handle this, you're the weaker brother." Okay, then guess what you're supposed to do, stronger brother? Give it up. Not keep flaunting it. Give it up. If they're going to use that canard to label those of us who have some objections to consuming a lot of alcohol and even hard liquor, I think is oof, super tricky business. So it's 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 not quite as bad, but it's similar to pot. How many tokes? Is that the correct lingo? How many tokes do you need to take? How many hits? Jimmy, you know this stuff. <laughs> You've been talking to people. <laughs> I, whatever it's called, when you how much for you to get high? Both are correct. And and how many shots of liquor do you need to consume before you're drunk? It's tricky business. We don't want to make a law where there is no law, but those people who flaunt it and suggest they can handle these things or they can watch movies that cause some of us to go no. Whatever it is, blasphemy or violence, some of us blanch. And incidentally, speaking of violence, had an email from a teenager saying, I'm playing these video games. They're kind of violent. Should I? A teenager asked that. Not many do, and I'm glad he did. And there's a couple of reasons why I would say um, probably not the best for you. Number one, image bearers. These are human beings. These are image bearers of God. And when you see life just that one shot, those people are blown up. It's so indiscriminate. I think it devalues human life and it can desensitize you. And I think it's just consuming stuff that just makes you hardened to violence against people. And second reason is I just think there's a better use of your time. There are things you could be doing to advance yourself to becoming more godly to serving the kingdom now than watching a video game. That was an excursus, and that was free. The people who like to boast of their liberties call you a weaker brother should be the very ones who give it up. And when it comes to how we go about the business of discriminating what's going on in the world, there are people who are consumed by there. Some people... It's all they think about. That's all they do. I'm not sure that's healthy. There are others who don't care. We got to be careful because both sides of the street can become sinful. Back to Tim Challies. Consider a woman who has a complex faith, who is committed to studying, wrestling, laboring with doctrine. She loves to read good books. She loves to dive into hermeneutics and systematic theology. Go to Christian conferences. But she can grow frustrated with her husband who has a much simpler faith. It is a faith that is no less real, no less tested, 
no less tenacious, just less complicated. To that wife, this husband can look different, indifferent rather, apathetic, and perhaps concerningly unspiritual. Be careful of that. It could be that they are, but not necessarily. They, it's just not of interest to them. They're, they're just battling their sins, trying to love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they, and they don't care about some of this stuff. Again, I think we need to have some awareness and some care, but we need to understand there's varying degrees from Tim Challies. Meanwhile, here's the other side of the street. The husband is prone to grow weary with his wife and to see her faith as obsessive because he doesn't wrestle with the big questions. He doesn't understand why anyone would because he doesn't derive joy and benefit from constantly reading Christian books. He can grow weary with his wife when she does. What a reminder that home is just a couple of sinners exploding all over the place, <laughs> isn't it? It's unbelievable. The potential for sin in the home, wow, just just really, if you're not married yet and you think, well, it can't be that difficult, I'm telling you it is. Ask my wife. She'll tell you what it's like to live with me. We're sinners, and we make a dog's breakfast out of so much. You know, I'm so glad. I mean, the, this believe me, this didn't turn into a fight, but I, I stopped and I went, oh, this is just a perfect example of how two people not sinning can just become ravenous toward one another. We're getting ready, and we're, we're leaving. I thought for sure Mrs. Friel was, was done getting ready. So as we're walking out, I turn out the closet lights and I turn out the two lights that we have that illuminate our bedroom. And she walks out and she's in the dark. When I was leaving the space, I thought, well, I don't want her to think that I wasn't thinking about her and that I'm not willing to do so that she doesn't have to do something. And in the meantime, she's thinking, I've got to be able to find my stuff. That little setting is combustion. And if I am not thinking, you know what? If if she tagged me on this, she'd have every right because she was thinking about this while I was thinking about that. And she, in the meantime, should be going, you know what? He must have been trying to be considerate because he wouldn't just leave me in the dark. like. And unless both parties are working toward that end, you've got yourself a whole lot of fighting. Both the husband and wife are making their own faith normative than judging the other by their own divine standard. Rather than appreciating their spouse spouse for growth in Christ's likeness, they're disparaging their spouse. Both husband and wife are failing to honor the faith of their spouse, failing to honor what God has done in them. Perhaps a word we all need to apply. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>